All right. So in this study of making a stand with Jesus Christ, what we're doing is we're looking at uh, seven different things that are associated with making a stand with Jesus Christ, things you need to know. First one we found out is why Jesus Christ has you stand. Jesus Christ has you stand to prove something or to do something. Then that led us to the second one, what we're standing for. What are you standing for? What are you making a stand for Jesus Christ for? Well, you're standing for faith, for liberty, and for biblical traditions, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're making a stand. We found out that standing brings persecution. The fourth thing we found out is that the benefits of persecution, you get, you get, you, uh, get patience, you learn patience, you grow Grow in Jesus Christ, and then, of course, you get joy, and we look those scripture up, too. Now we're in number five. We're looking at the forms of persecution, what you can expect when you're persecuted for Jesus Christ. When you're persecuted for standing, it's going to go something like this, and we're finding it in Nehemiah. Number one, you're going to be, there's going to be disagreements. First off, they're going to start disagreeing with you. Well, I don't know if I really believe that. Second thing is they're going to start laughing at you. You make a stand for Jesus Christ, you tell them what you believe about the Bible or about Jesus Christ, about what you know the Bible teaches, they're going to disagree with you, they're going to laugh at you, and then they're going to start mocking you. Then they're going to get angry with you. We talked about that last week. They're going to get angry with you, and you're going to draw criticism. They're going to start criticizing you. They're going to start critiquing you. Everything you do, they're going to try to find something wrong with it. Now that's led us to the sixth thing that's found in Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7. And this is the sixth thing. Uh, these, are like, these are progressive steps of persecution you can expect. You can expect this to happen. When you make a stand for Jesus Christ, you are going to get persecuted. You will. But that's okay. It's going to bring you patience, teach you patience. It's going to help you to grow in Jesus Christ. And don't we all want to grow in Jesus Christ? Amen. I mean, but it's also going to bring you joy. Now that doesn't make a lot of sense when you first hear it. It's like, I'm going to... People are going to laugh at me, mock me, criticize me, get angry with me. That's going to bring me joy. I can't explain it, but the joy of the Holy Spirit is something that's spiritual. You can't explain it physically, but you will get joy. You will, when you make a stand, there's some, you get some real joy out of that. Well, the sixth thing you're going to find out when you make a stand is it's going to draw physical violence out of people. Physical violence. Brother Ronnie, will you pray over this, this teaching, please, brother? Yes. Please, Father. Amen. Thank you, brother. So, seven steps, disagreement, laughing, mocking, anger, criticism, and then it's going to lead to physical violence. That's where we're at in America today. If you don't agree with me politically, I want to hurt you. That's what people literally say. They don't want to just disagree with you or call you stupid. It used to be they'd call you stupid or yell at you. Now they want to physically attack you. They want to, make a, they want to come and... Burn your business down. Burn your house down. They want, to, they want you to be fired. They, they want to hurt you. And the reason why that is is because you're evil. They think you're evil. 
And they've convinced themselves that you are evil. And we looked at that last week. We found out that God warns us, one of them that call good evil and evil good. Be careful of that. Well, that's what's going on. So in Nehemiah chapter 4, he's trying to build the wall. They're getting the wall built. And they've been trying to, they've been mocking them, laughing at them, criticizing them. So their last step is they decide, we're going to get physical with Nehemiah. We don't want this wall built in Jerusalem. We don't want it rebuilt. We're going to get physical. So verse 7, but it came to pass that when Sambalot and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Physical violence. They've decided, you know what? We've tried everything we can to stop them. We're just going to go beat them up. We're going to go with swords, with, uh, with, with uh, spears, and we're going to run them off. Now, I'm going to have a, every one of these, I'm showing you what to expect. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back. After we, we got seven of these, and we're going to go back, and I'm going to give you an answer to these. Like, well, how do you respond to this? So some of this is not necessarily how you respond. This is what you should expect. So you see there, you should expect some physical violence. Don't be surprised if somebody gets physical with you. Nobody wants that. Listen, nobody wants to get into a physical conflict. Nobody wants that. Even the roughest guy doesn't necessarily all the time want to get in a physical conflict. The reason why they do that is to get you to shut up. Roman Catholic Church was notorious for it for centuries. We don't want you copying the Bible into English. So what did they do? Well, they just take you and burn you at the stake. That's all they do to you, burn you at the stake. And the guy that's getting burned at the stake, I think his name is William, I believe it's Tyndale, was burning at the stake. He's burning up alive, and you know what he yells? The last thing he yells before he burns up? God, open up the eyes of the king of England. Whoosh. Goes on, to be, goes on to see to glory, burned alive. Well, guess what happened some years later? King James Bible. <laughs> the most fruitful Bible that we've ever seen. 400 years of fruit from the King James Bible. So there is some persecution you can expect. Look at Acts chapter 7. This happens in the New Testament. One of the famous first martyr for Jesus Christ was a guy named Stephen. Look at Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. So it usually ends with violence. When they can't stop you, because there's some of us in here, hey, I've got a big mouth. It's real hard to stop me from talking. And you might yell at me. You might yell and scream at me. You might criticize me. It just, it just fuels me sometimes. But physical violence, yeah, you can beat me up. I'm a little guy. You can take a swipe. You know, you can beat me up. And that would shut me up. But it's not going to shut everybody up. You know we're living in a nutty world, right? I don't have to tell y'all that. I just read yesterday, this idiot, yesterday, he's, he's, he's a transgender guy that wants to be on a bicycle racing in the Olympics for the girls. Calls himself Chelsea now. He says, I want to win an Olympic medal so I can stand on the Olympic podium and burn the U.S. flag. He wants to go to the Olympics, represent the U.S. so he can win it, so he can burn the flag. You know what his reasoning was? It's because of how, how America treats us. Talking about transgenders. Uh, yeah! Are you nuts? If he said, I want to get on that podium and I want to burn an Iranian flag, I want to burn an Iraqi flag, I'd say, amen, yeah. Because you know who kills 
The homosexuals by the thousands. It's Iraq, Iran. It's illegal over there. How about Russia? It's banned over there. I'm not saying there's no homosexual over there, but it's banned. America's one of the most free countries. You're, you're able to go on and say what you want to say. You're able to go on and say, I want to burn the flag, idiot. Have you ever thought about who gives you that right? It's the American right to say that. <laughs> but the point I'm bringing out is, why do you have to be violent? What? I mean, why does it have to be burning? Why does it have to be ripping? Why does it have to be stabbing? Why does it have to be that? Why can't he, why can't he say, hey, I want to get, oh, he or she or whatever he goes by. Why don't he say, I want to get on the podium so I can say we're being oppressed? Or whatever he wants to rant and rave about. But it's always violence. It's, that's the culture we're raised up. Acts chapter 7, verse 54, happened in the New Testament. So, if you don't know what's happening here, Stephen's giving them the truth. He's give, he gave a history of Israel, and the whole history of Israel is God get, helping Israel out, and Israel turning their back on God over and over and over again, and resisting the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 51. Here's the context. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised and heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? That's what we're talking about, right? And they have slain them which show before of the coming of the just one. Talking about Jesus. Of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. He shoots it right down the middle. <laughs> he said, you know what? Every one of y'all's fathers slew the prophets, tried to kill them, and now the, now the Messiah's come and you've murdered him. And you've resisted the Holy Ghost. That's good preaching. Amen. That's good preaching. Amen. Who have received the law by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it. In other words, angels literally have given them these laws. The angel of the Lord, we studied that. And they hadn't kept it. In other words, what religious, other than the Mormons lying about it, what religious teaching is saying, hey, an angel came and gave me this. We got, you're getting this from the angels of God. And they still didn't do what's right. Verse 54, well, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Why? Because it's true. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. They started gnashing their teeth and that, oh, I hate you, I hate you, verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Amen. He's about to die. And right before he's about to die, he looks up and he sees Jesus Christ standing by the right hand of God. You know, I brought that big old book of Martyrs Mirrors up here and shown y'all. Y'all, you read through that, you'll, hit, you'll see, read testimonies of these saints. They're being burned alive and they're singing hymns and they're saying stuff like, I see you, Jesus, I see you, Jesus, and just crazy stuff. That's like him. He's seeing Jesus, verse 56, and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. He tells them what he's seeing. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran up on him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Uh-oh. Saul becomes Paul. Verse 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon the God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So while they're stoning him, he's crying out, Lord God, receive my spirit. Lord Jesus received my spirit. Verse 60, And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. They killed him. 
violence. But one thing you need to remember, guys, when you start getting persecuted, and, and Lord, Lord knows I don't wish in this on anybody, any kind of physical violence, but if you're ever getting physically persecuted, always know the Lord Jesus Christ is right there with you. And you, the Lord's going to be right there with you taking it. And it's going to be worth everything you take. And notice there in verse, end of verse 55, it says, whose name was Saul. Talking about Saul was there. Saul was helping stone Stephen. And what happened with Saul? Well, he just happened to be converted and became one of the greatest Christians to ever live. What I'm trying to say to you is, when you're getting persecuted, it might be a, a mild form at work, or some, somebody's laughing at you, making fun of you. There might be a bunch of guys. One of those guys might become a Christian. You never know. One of the, I used to make fun of Christians. I've told the story about that, that young man riding by on the bike, and he tried to tell me and my friend about Jesus Christ and try to witness to us, and we mocked him and made fun of him and laughed at him and run him off. You know that guy somewhere is somewhere today? You know what he's thinking? Man, I remember those two atheists sitting out in front of that house I witnessed to. They're probably burning in hell today. That's probably what he's thinking, right? He don't know what happened to me. He had, he, you, you imagine what he'd think if, I, if I, he ran into me, if he could remember what I looked like, and I remember what he looked like, and we ran into each other, and, I, and he found out I was a preacher? What would that say? He planted a seed that somebody else watered. You get me? You might be planting a seed when you're making a stand for Jesus Christ and there's other people around watching you and you're thinking, nope, this doesn't matter. This, what difference is this making? What's happening is you're throwing out the seed through the Holy Spirit. And it might not be you, be you that waters it, but somewhere down the way the Lord will use it and water it and you never know what the Lord's going to grow out of that. Look at me. I'm a perfect example. I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been the guy that makes fun of Christians, and I've been the guy now that defends Jesus Christ. Nothing extreme like Saul or Paul. It's amazing. So don't give up. When people are yelling at you, screaming, it's going to be real easy to say, you know, I don't want no part of this. And Lord knows we don't want no part of the physical violence. But I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this out because it happened to Nehemiah, right? It happened to Stephen. It happened to all the disciples. Every disciple but John got martyred. Jesus Christ got martyred. We should expect it in this country. It's coming. It's coming, guys. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news and try to scare you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to just give you a heads up and let you know that I know y'all love Jesus Christ or you wouldn't be up here tonight. And there's going to come a time where you're going to make a stand, and I don't know when it will be. Hopefully, hopefully the Lord will rapture us out of here tonight. Amen? We we'll, won't we'll worry about that. But you're going to have to make a stand for Jesus Christ, and it'll be, it might cost you something. It might cost you going into jail. It might cost you physical violence. It's, uh, any of these others I've had happen to me. Disagreements, laughing, mocking. I've had all this happen to me. People get angry with me. People criticize me. The physical violence, that's taking it to another level. I've had people threaten me with physical violence, but I've, had ne I've never had anybody physically swing at me and try to beat me up over Jesus Christ. But I believe it's coming because they're getting bolder and they're getting kookier. <laughs> Crazy. Look at chapter 6, Acts chapter 6. We'll move on. What brought all this on? Well, let's look. 
Acts chapter 6, verse 9. Let's see what brought all this on. And this leads us to the seventh and last point. The seventh and last form of persecution. Acts chapter 6, verse 9. Okay, and this is how all this got started. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and the Cyrenians, and the Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. They're arguing with him. Who is that? The Democrats, the libert Libertarians, the Republicans, the Methodists, the Church of Christ, the Baptists, the Southern Baptists. That's that list right there in verse 9. Guys, you're going to, you, you, you might leave here thinking, I'm going to get into arguments with non-believers. You'll be amazed how many arguments. You have to make stands for Jesus Christ for people who claim Jesus Christ. What did he do? Verse 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit to which, by which he spake. Was, was Stephen that smart a guy? He was full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 10, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Jesus Christ told them, when you get brought before those leaders, don't be thinking about what you're going to say. I'll put in your mouth what you're going to say. The Holy Ghost will speak for you. Guys, I cannot stress to you enough, a lot of times you're going to be put in a situation and sometimes just, just let it go. Just say what you're going to say. And you'll be amazed what comes out of your mouth. I've told you stories of how I've dealt with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and... Uh, uh, Calvinist and every story I try to stress to you some of these are good stories but I'm trying to stress to you I didn't think this stuff up I give all the credit to Jesus Christ that the Lord gave me that question because I didn't have the question or the answer he'll give he he'll help you he'll give it to you verse 11 then they suborned suborned it's like it's like akin to sub, subordination false oath he suborned men that would falsely accuse him, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses, against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against his holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. This is the last point, and this is, and we're, this is one we're going to hammer home. If they can't get you through disagreeing with you, laughing at you, mocking you, getting angry with you, showing you an angry countenance, I don't like you, get out, you know, whatever they can do to you, criticizing you, and then lastly, if they can't physically get you with violence because the law keeps them from doing it, or the two chicken of the law to do you. This is the last way they'll try to get you. Number seven, through politics and policies. This is how they've got us in America. Our great country was based on laws that protect us as citizens to be able to carry a gun and protect ourselves against physical violence. And I thank God for this country that I can do that. I thank God that when I'm on the street corner preaching Jesus Christ and they come by in the car and they hate my guts and they, say, they yell some of the most detestable stuff to me, they don't have the guts to step out of that car because number one, they know I'm probably stupid enough to be carrying a gun. Because I have a right, amen? And that keeps, they don't know I'm not. But when they pull up there, they know I'm living in America and if I step out and I punch that guy, he can call the cops and they'll throw me in jail. Praise the Lord for that. That's not the way it is in China. 
That's not the way it is in a lot of countries. If you're a Christian, they can beat you up and they don't care. The cops don't care nothing about it. Do you see why we don't deal with a lot of physical violence, but people feel that way about it. So what, how they're going to get you is through policies and politics. Turn back to Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter, this is the one, man. They got us. This is how they got us here in America. With American Christians, they got you on this one, man. They got you years ago. You didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming, and they got us. Politics and policies. Madeline O'Hare started it up. I don't want a Bible in the school. I don't want prayer in school. Remember that? In the 60s? Wasn't in the 60s she did that? Somewhere along the way. And you know what happened? Some cowardly, yellow-bellied Christian rolled over and showed their belly to her and didn't stand up against her. And she got what she wanted. You ever find out what happened to Madeline O'Hare? She got cut up in pieces. She got caught up in, she got murdered. Go look it up on Google. She got murdered. I think some of her family members, she owed them money or she, they wanted her money and they, they killed her and I think they cut her in pieces. That's what happened to her. I'll just give you some good, don't go against God. It's never good. That's why, that's why Jesus Christ tells you to love your enemies and pray for them. Why? When they're your enemies, they're about to bring the wrath of God on themselves. My ministry is full of stories, and I'm not going to tell them while I'm on Facebook. My ministry is full of stories of people messing with me, messing with this church, messing with my ministry, and I'm not doing anything wrong, and I just pray, Lord, I can't handle it. Will you please take care of it? And boy, he takes care of it. <laughs> boy, does he ever. They're going to get you through politics. Chapter 6, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Sambalot and Tobiah, those are the two enemies, and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies, heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates. So he's got all the wall there, but he had set the doors and gates in. Verse 2, look what they do. That Sambalot and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. They laughed at them, mocked them, criticized them, threatened to kill them, threatened them with violence. And whenever they get the wall built, you know what they do? Hey, can't we have a peace talk now? Can we all just get along? If that's not Israel, you don't know your history. That's Israel right there. That's what happened in the Six-Day War. All of Arabian nations, on that map, all of them, Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, I, they all came against Israel. That little bitty nation on that map over there, they all came against Israel. They were going to wipe them off the map. They were going to run them off. And America was going to back off, and we did, and was going to let see what happened. And the UN was down there, and the UN backed off. And they were, what was going to happen is, they said, Israel is a burdensome stone, which the Bible said they would be. They're a thorn in my flesh. We don't want to deal with them. If we can let the Arabians take care of this problem, they'll come run them off, kill them, run them out of that land. We don't have to deal with it anymore. We don't have to, we'll get all the oil we want and everything. Well, God had a different plan. <laughs> and before Egypt could get off the ground, Israel got wind of it, and they sent their jets over there, and they just destroyed all of Israel's, I mean, Israel destroyed all of Egypt's planes. Just boom, 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 boom. I read a book about this thick on this. 
and the United States still didn't come in. And Israel started up, and they started whipping them, and they whipped them on every side. It was miracle after miracle, miscalculation by the Arabians, miscalculation after this. They were seeing things that weren't there. There was one report of the Golan Heights. They were getting the Golan Heights, which is up above, where they could look down, and they could have just destroyed Israel from that place. And they were supposed to take it, and that general backed off. He got scared. He could have took it. The Arabian, he could have took it. And he backed off. He got scared. He seen something down there, and he said, I don't want to go. And they lost it, and Israel got the reinforcements they needed. They took the Golan Heights, and that general from the Arabian general, he got his head cut off. This went on for six days. On the sixth day, Israel had beat them all the way back to Sinai Peninsula. They took Jerusalem, which they didn't have before. <laughs> they, took the, they took the Temple Mount. In Jerusalem, they had the chauffeur blowing the chauffeur on the Temple Mount. They had never done that. It was supposed to have been a complete and total annihilation, but God's hand came in, and in six days, they were whipping them all around them. You know what happened after six days when they got Jerusalem, got the Temple Mount, and was whipping them all around? You know what happened? All of a sudden, the Arabians like this in verse 2, hey, let's have a peace agreement. Peace, peace. <laughs> Can't we all just get along now? Israel was about to wipe them off. Was it Israel? God's hand was about to wipe them out. Don't mess with Israel. God worked for six days. He rested on the seventh. Israel fought for six days. They rested on the seventh. Just read your Bible if you want to know church history. Right there. It's all right in here. That's exactly what they do here. To this day, now that Israel's won all that land, you know what they do? From every year, let's have a peace agreement. Let's have a peace accord. It, it, it's, it's either it's Reagan, it's Bush, Bush Sr., W., Clinton, Obama. He couldn't get it done. Nobody can get it done. Trump was the most successful of them. But he didn't get it all the way done. Well, it's too late now. Netanyahu's out. They got a new guy in there. He's real progressive. We'll see what happens. But I can tell you what. I can tell you some good advice. Don't mess with Israel. And they want peace. So they're going to get you through politics, through policies. What do I mean by that? They're going to make laws to make it where you can't stand and you can't make a stand. That's what they're going to do. And that's what they've done to us. They got real close with COVID. Real close. You know how many churches shut down at COVID? Pretty much all, a lot of them. Y'all know that. They shut us down. They shut the churches down. They were arresting pastors for having church service. Can you imagine that? Up in Canada, it's, they're even kookier. They flew a helicopter over, saw a person holding a church service, and they went and arrested him. They were watching him through the helicopter. Look, he's having a legal church service. Let's get on. You know. Come on there, arrest the pastor. Pope Francis, Pope Francis, he came out today and he said, you can recognize false Christians by their inflexibility. Pope Francis, the Catholic Pope, says you can recognize false Christians by their inflexibility. These Christians that are inflexible, they strongly affirm that the true Christianity is the one that they adhere to, often identified with certain forms of the past. 
and that the solution to the crisis of today is to go back so as not to lose the genuineness of the faith. Yeah, you're right, Pope. That's exactly what I preach. Let's go back to the old past. Let's get back to the Bible. Let's keep the biblical traditions. Let's get back to what we were doing. Pope said, those people like that, you need to watch out for them. You need to watch out for me. And you need to, he says, you need to watch out for you guys. He's, this is what he was quoted as saying. There's a temptation to close oneself up in some of the certainties acquired in past traditions. But how can we recognize these people? For example, one of the traces of this way of proceeding is inflexibility. Christians who are overly attached to tradition and disturb communities through their inflexibility. Are you inflexible? Well, I hope you are. Amen. Are you? Now, you might be flexible on paying your bills. You might be flexible on your politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about your personal life. I'm talking about are you inflexible on the Word of God? Because this idiot here, Pope Francis, he's not. When the Word of God says it's a sin to be a homosexual, he says it's not. And he says if you're teaching that or preaching against that, that's because I am inflexible. Well, I'm not inflexible, but this word is. You can't flex it. It's inflexible. It's solid. It's a solid rock. It's starting. That was today. I could, I could bring one of these up here every service. IRS makes extraordinary determination, the biblical values exclusively Republican. This is what the IRS quoted a, an or, a Christian organization was trying to get tax exempt service, I mean, extinction, through the IRS. They declined them because this is what they said Bible teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican Party and its candidates. We're not going to give you tax-free exemption because you're teaching the Bible and that's associated with the Republicans. We'll see how far that goes. That's not going to last. That's against freedom of religion. That's your IRS. <laughs> Let me remind y'all that Obama had the IRS going after Christian and conservative organizations. People forget that. You know why? Trump bad. Trump bad. That's all you heard for four years. Trump bad. Ooh, Trump, Trump. Oh, Trump. Judge in Colorado says that they, he can force a Christian to violate his religious beliefs. Do y'all remember the baker that wouldn't, wouldn't bake the cake? He won that in the Supreme Court. You know what they did? They just went right back after him. They've gone right back after him. Now they've made him, they want him to bake a cake that shows two different colors, that shows this guy transitioning from a man to a woman, and he won't bake it, and so they're mad at him, and now they've filed suit against him, and they're, and they're winning. And the Colorado judge says he can't do that. He's got to bake that cake for that poor transgender guy that wants it. He's already won the case before. They're going to make him do it again. But listen to what happened. This is what you might not know about that first case. Critical to that decision was the fact that evidence was revealed that when homosexual bakers, bakers that are homo, practicing homosexuals in Colorado, were asked to create a cake condemning homosexuality, they refused on the grounds that it was a message they couldn't support. So they would go to this baker and say, we want you to bake a cake for the, about homosexuality, and the baker said, I'm not doing it. I, I'm a Christian, I don't believe in that. 
And so they sued him, and the Colorado government came in and said, you've got to bake it, and they fined him hundreds of thousands of dollars. He went to the Supreme Court. He won. But what people don't know about that case is that they went to some, homos- some people like me and you said, you know what, turn around, turn around is fair play, right? So they went to a homosexual baker, and they said, hey, we want you to bake a cake that says homosexuality is a sin and put this verse on there. And they refused, and this is what the state said. The state supported their refusal to bake that cake, yet required Phillips to undergo re-indoctrination because he wanted the same control over his messages. Do they hate you? Oh, they hate your guts. Do they like you making a stand for Jesus Christ? Not one bit. Are they going to get you? They're going to get you. They already got you. They got you through policies and politics. Now there's not a company in America that's afraid, not only not to say, companies in America, they're they're afraid. You can't just say, you can't just say we're equal. You got to go in and say, it's not just that we tolerate homosexuality. We support homosexuality. It used to be they, they would go in there and say, okay, now we're, we're tolerating it. No, that's not enough. You've got to support us. We got, everybody's down here, we've got to be up here. And in June, the month of June, it's a hundred times worse, right? Because it's Pride Month. And they've got to push it and shove it down your throat. When you make a stand for Jesus Christ, you're going to get persecuted. I've only had, I've only, the only time I've had somebody complain and send emails to this church is when I've hit homosexuality. I can think of. And boy, he hit me too. He kept emailing me. And the last email, I wouldn't let Linda read it to me because he made me so mad. Boy, you hit on this and people go absolutely nuts. But you know why I preach it? Listen, I'm not against you. I just want you to know that that's a sin. Just like lying is a sin and adultery is a sin. And any other, uh, a fornication, sex outside marriage is a sin. And it's all sin. But when you try to tell me that homosexuality is not a sin, I can't go for that. I've got to make a stand. And my stand is Jesus Christ. That's just my stand. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to show you that you're a sinner. But don't come to me and say the Bible don't say that because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says exactly what I'm telling you, that it's a sin. And the reason why I hit it so much is because people tell me it's not a sin. And that's not what my Bible says. And that's why I hit alcohol because there's Christians running around now saying there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. And I'll hit that and say that's a sin. And that doesn't make me popular. (laughs) And I'm going to keep on hitting it. You know why? Because it makes me feel good. Brings me joy. Amen. I love it. I enjoy it. They don't mind offending me. Amen. When I turn on the TV, I I get sick and tired of what I see on the TV, what I hear them saying, when I turn on my computer and what I see them, I just want to take a sledgehammer to every bit of it. So it doesn't hurt, it doesn't bother me. It actually brings me a little bit of joy to, to offend some people and say, you know what? No, the Bible, no. 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 No, I'm not putting up with that. 
No, I'm not going to be happy if one of my kinfolks who's a male decides he wants to be a female. No, I'm not going to be happy about that. And vice versa. I'm not going to be happy about it. Because the Bible's against it. Just like I'm not happy when one of my kids is living in sin. I'm not happy about that. I'm not, a, I'm not picking on one particular sin. I'm only picking that sin out because people are telling me, and the world's telling me, and the government's trying to tell me and convince me that it's not a sin. And now, through politics and policies, guess what? It's going to become against the law for me to preach what I just preached. You want to go to jail? Say it's a sin. Go ahead, preacher. There's a law. That's called hate speech. And this is a hate book. They got us. We lost it. <laughs> Get ready. Now, that's up to you if you want to make that stand. I'm not telling you to make that stand. I'm just telling you... When you make a stand for Jesus Christ, you better get ready. It's coming. They're out to get us. <laughs> it's okay. One of the dearest brothers in my ministry just passed away. I found out just passed away. Brother Eubanks. That brother was bold. That brother told you like he'd seen it, just like the Bible said. And he wasn't afraid to offend somebody. He was out for Jesus. And he was serving the Lord when he passed away. In a foreign country over in Africa. And here I am here, here in America, and I'm, not, I'm afraid to make a stand. That makes me a coward. Amen. I'd be a coward not to make a stand. And he did. He called me a coward. <laughs> Brother Eubanks called me a coward one time because I wouldn't make a stand. Well, Brother Eubanks, I'm going to make a stand one way or another. Get kicked off Facebook or whatever. I love you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Lord, I'm not trying to necessarily just get under somebody's skin, Father, but I'm trying to wake them up. Lord, I know that reading your word, Lord God, you don't put up with it. And Lord, there's a day coming that judgment's coming. And Lord, this nation, Father, as it wallows around in sin and makes a mock of sin and makes fun of sin and uh, calls something evil good, Lord God, and we're supposed to just swallow it and keep bowing our heads and just... Uh, showing our bellies and not saying anything, Lord God. There's some of us Christians, Lord God, we're getting fed up with it. Lord, it's, uh, we're going, it's time for us to make a stand, Lord. We need your help. and We need, need your help through the Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to tell the truth, Lord God, that any sinner, Lord God, if they're in any kind of sin, if they will take Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, you'll cleanse them and wash them and save them, Lord God. Lord, I know some sinners have lived really wicked life, Lord God, and they've cleaned their life up, Lord. And Father, I'm not trying to Pick on one certain sin, Father. You know my heart, Lord God. You know I've got uh, some love, Lord God, there. But, Lord, I want to teach it and preach it like you have it in your word, Lord God. I don't want, I don't want to sugarcoat it. The time to sugarcoat it's over, Lord God. And I think we've shown too much of a cowardice, Lord God, and not given the truth. And, Lord, I know we're afraid to lose our jobs. We're afraid to, to be fine, Lord. We're afraid our friends are going to disown us, maybe dis, uh, d not b have anything to do with us, Lord God, because of your views. But, Lord, I know enough to know, Lord, I'm going to take your word over my friends and over this world every day of the week, Lord God. And I thank you, Father, for these people, Lord, that love you and come out here this evening to, to study your book. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. 
If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon.